Welcome to the Nurse and Midwife Support Podcast, Your Health Matters. I'm Mark Aiken, the podcast host. I'm the Stakeholder Engagement Manager with Nurse and Midwife Support, and I'm a registered nurse. Nurse and Midwife Support is the national support service for nurses, midwives and students. The service is anonymous, confidential and free, and you can call us anytime you need support. 1-800-667-877 or contact us via the website nmsupport.org.au Hello and welcome to the Your Health Matters podcast. It's great to speak to you all on this episode which is devoted entirely to your mental health and that's because the mental health of nurses, midwives and students is vitally important and this podcast is part of our newsletter supporting the mental health of nurses, midwives and students. So today to discuss this I've got two fabulous guests Georgie Southam and Kat Evans. Hello and welcome. And for the first time ever, I have a podcast co-host. And that, I should do the drum roll, that person is Tessa Moriarty. Tessa is a credentialed mental health nurse consultant and will be well known to the Your Health Matters podcast audience. Tessa's been a previous podcast guest on episode 25, supporting nurses, midwives and students experiencing bullying and harassment. And Tessa was the inaugural winner of our first story competition, Caring, a Mutual and Collective Experience of Nurses. And if you'd like to read that story and listen to Tessa tell the story on a podcast, that's available via the website www.nmsupport.org.au. So hello, Tessa, and welcome to my inaugural co-host. Hello, Mark, and hello, Georgie and Kat. And I just feel so excited about being here, but also, like, I feel really encouraged and it's so good to see the Nurse and Midwife Support focusing on this issue. So thank you very much for the invitation to co-host this with you. Fabulous. Now, Georgie, would you like to tell our listeners a bit about yourself and your background as a um, midwife who's got a special interest in mental health and I believe works in mental health? Hi, Mark, and hi, Pat and Tessa also. Firstly, I'd just like to say, Thank you for having me join your podcast today. Um, it's a real privilege. And I think mental health is such an important topic that we just need to keep having those conversations around. So I actually commenced my training as a mature age student and have now been a midwife for just over 10 years. I did the Bachelor of Midwifery at the ACU um, here in Melbourne. So in that time, I've worked in the private system for about eight years and At the beginning of 2020, I began working in a large tertiary hospital at the Royal Women's in Parkville. It was actually a very big move at the time. And I think if I'd had a a crystal ball, knowing that our hospital would be moving to the paperless system, um, not being that very technologically savvy, and also that we'd be hit with a, a pandemic, I may not have been so brave. But I feel very passionate about my job and I'm, I'm blessed to have found uh, a career in something that I really love and I'm looking forward to where it may take me. So thank you. 
Thanks, Georgie. No doubt we're very lucky to have somebody like you passionate and committed in our profession. So thanks very much. And Kat, welcome. And please tell us a bit about you. Thank you. It's an honour to be here and a part of this conversation. So like Georgie, I started my studies as a mature age student. I have a background in hospitality and I had a real passion for mental health after being that barista where I was often people's first port of call in their day-to-day life. I felt like I preferred to deal with those problems than my lunch is too hot or my latte is too cold and um, yeah made that transition into nursing in my late 20s. I've I'm come from a rural background and my studies ended up being extended due to having a child and um, yeah that's that's the basics of where I am now. I've finished my grad program last year and went on to a second grad program to work in community mental health. Thanks Kat that's great it's always really important and excellent to get the perspective of early career nurses and midwives so we really value your contribution to the conversation today so it's as we know and as Georgie has said it's been a long and challenging two years plus now for many nurses midwives and students the often brutal pandemic has challenged us in ways that I don't think many of us perceived or imagined. Our work has at times impacted our mental health, unfortunately, and many indeed have developed mental illness. Nurses, midwives and students inform us that they have and experienced high levels of stress and at times anxiety, depression, burnout, and some indeed from the work that they've done have reported post-traumatic stress disorder and are experiencing that. So if that is your experience or has been your experience, I'm sorry that's happened to you. Our work should never impact our work that way. But I want you to know that support is available and nurse and midwife support has your back. So we're here to support you no matter what you need. 1-800-667-877 or via the website www.nmsupport.org.au and you can call us about any issue you need support for. Now, the health of nurses, midwives and students is vitally important. It's vitally important because we are in the care and service of others. And indeed, our registration requires us to be healthy and well to do the work that we do. So at Nurse and Midwife Support, we strive to support the health and well-being of nurses, midwives and students. So on this episode of the Your Health Matters podcast, we're going to discuss mental health of nurses, midwives and students, why it's important and why our mental health is really at the forefront of what we do and what are the protective factors to support your mental health. And it's vitally important, as I said, because your health really does matter. Tessa, would you add anything to that introduction? Um, no, but, but a fabulous introduction and thank you. Very comprehensive. But I think one of the pointers I take from what you said leads me into the first question, if I may ask that, Mark, uh, which really points to what you say. Because we're in the business of caring for others, we really need to make sure we take care of ourselves. So then that drives me 
into my first question, if I may ask it, unless you've got something else, Mark, to say before I ask Georgie and Kat the first question. No, please go ahead, Jessica. Right. Okay. So, Georgie and Kat, how do you protect and maintain your own mental health? Tessa, I, I think that's a, a really important question to ask ourselves. We're often very good at identifying the needs of others and not so great, great at uh, attending to our own needs. On a personal level, I've implemented my own self-care plan, which is obviously a continual work in progress as life presents challenges and, and hurdles and is ever-changing. We, we need to tweak it um, regularly. Uh, essentially, my self-care plan includes exercise, a healthy diet, relaxation, and importantly, but challengingly for me, good quality sleep. So typically at the end of a shift, the very first thing I do when I get home is to have a shower and that, that washes away the, the work day and resets me for home. With exercise, I, I'm an avid walker. I will try and get out before or after a shift. And I've got a, a lovely red Kelpie dog that's uh, a, a good catalyst to make me move and on my days off I, I try and get out and exercise and do a few longer walks up in the bush or uh, along the beach um, and I'm, I'm very much a lover of the outdoors and so that's my my happy place being immersed in nature pretty much healthy eating I think is important to fuel both uh, the body and the mind it's often challenging with with shift work uh, it's easy to grab snack foods which can be you know very full of sugar I do try and plan my meals and add healthy snacks on the go I've also learned not to shop when I'm hungry invariably my shopping trolley comes home with um, very unhealthy but delicious foods that are very high in sugar and not designed to give you great sustained energy levels and staying hydrated can also be challenging particularly you know in the current times of PPP, PPE and, you know, as every nurse and midwife will tell you, so it's really important to rehydrate and refuel on your breaks and make sure you take your breaks. Quality sleep is also important, and I find this very challenging. Um, being able to switch off after a shift, it's hard not to think, you know, what's happened on your shift, especially if it's been a challenging one. Sometimes, you know, your body can be running on adrenaline. You may have just left after being part of a family's journey into parenthood for the first time and you can, you know, go home on a bit of a high. You know, other times we might be supporting families through grief and, and loss and we can, you know, we can come home feeling really emotionally and, and compassionately fatigued and, and depleted. So I also find that when I do go to bed, I because it's a time when I've actually stopped, I start thinking of all the things that I need to do and should be doing. Um, so every now and then uh, I do a big brain dump onto paper and that's, that might be just a list of things that I need to do or just stuff that's on my mind. So that, that often helps. And I try and avoid caffeine sort of from uh, lunchtime onwards, I guess, and technology like social media you know, I try and, try and limit that as much as I can. I, I think um, there's so much exposure to, to negative information out there, particularly with what's going on in the world today, you know, and that definitely can be very overwhelming. Um, and finally, relaxation. Um, just finding time to relax is very important for mental well-being. 
connecting with family and friends um, and taking time out to do something that I that I enjoy um, is, is very important. And I just wanted to mention having pets. I think they're, you know, they're great for mental health. You know, you could have had the worst day and you come home and you're greeted by, you know, a happy four-legged furry friend and and your mood does lift. So, you know, I really value having having pets in, in my life. So that's pretty much my self-care plan. Thank you so much. I, I welcome comments, quick comments from others before we hear um, how you protect and, and maintain your mental health cat. But can I say, Georgie, that I actually think you should market that, um, <laughs> what you do, because you've, you've covered everything. It's beautiful from, you know, the, all the areas of one's life but you're also very real about what you do and you do it regularly. I love much of what you say. Um, thank you so much for saying that. I don't know that we've got time to pick up the little bits and pieces, but everything you've said from that transition from work to home, to your nutrition, to your exercise and relaxation. I even love that you do a word dump. Oh, that's so nice. So thank you very much. Do Kat and Mark, did you want to just comment on what Georgie has said before you speak, Kat? Uh, I'll go if I may, Tessa. Thanks very much, Georgie. Uh, a wonderful overview of how you protect and maintain your mental health. And uh, you're developing your own self-care plan is music to my ears because this is something we advocate at Nurse and Midwife Support. And when I present uh, at conferences or events on Nurse and Midwife Support and the importance of health and well-being for nurses and midwives, that's exactly what I advocate. And what I say is to Nurse and Midwives, we're really good at developing care plans for others so why wouldn't we do that for ourselves? And it's almost like I can see the light bulbs going on in the audience. It's like, yeah, like, why don't I? Or, and occasionally, like you, Georgia, I meet somebody who says, I already do that, and it's wonderful. So thanks very much for sharing that experience. It's great. Thank you, Matt. Did, did you want to make some comments on what Georgie has said before you speak to your own mental health? I just want to say she's really given me a list of goals to work towards. Like um, there's definitely things that uh, Georgie touched on that I like to think that I'm doing and hearing the regularity with which she actually is able to keep that up. is really impressive. And nice. yeah, definitely goals. <laughs> Thanks, Georgie. Nice, nice. And, and now tell us about how you yourself protect and maintain your mental health. So there's definitely elements of things like Georgie said when she she ended with talking about the four-legged furry friends. Now, we've got a, a pet cat at home and she's always there for cuddles. She's one of the most ridiculously fluffy, snuggly animals that I've ever met. But she's my partner's cat. And so I needed for my own <laughs> mental health, my own pets, and I chose fish as a low maintenance creature. And I think, especially being a mental health clinician, their low emotional needs made them a really ideal pet choice for me. Um, and they're just something that I can sit and watch and just tune out in my day. You know, if I've had a hard day, if, even if even if the day's been relaxing and then it just sort of maintains that for me. So that's that's a huge one for me as well. We tried a dog 
earlier this year and we tried with a puppy and luckily my partner's sister chucked in for it and when it all became too much she said it's okay guys I can take that pressure off and so <laughs> we we were able to farm our puppy out and without it breaking my daughter's heart because we still got to go and visit auntie and the dog and you know that's that was really important for us to realize how much pressure we had put on ourselves and to be able to let that go without it affecting us as a team emotionally, I suppose. Um, which brings me to time with family. That's a huge part of my protective factors. You know, I have a tiny person at home and so I have to be well for her. I have to make sure that at the end of the day, I can come home and not carry that work stuff home with me. And there is that real thing of opening the door and, you know, I'm in a whole new space and everything from earlier in the day, it's just well and truly left behind. And I sometimes I wish that I lived a little further from work so that I had a longer drive to sort of process it. But I really do appreciate as well just putting the radio on in the car and turning off work so that I have that that space to reset before I walk in the door at home. I think that's a really important one. Yeah, that time with family is really important. We make sure that we have regular activities, whether it's weekends, going out together, or I'd make sure I do play group with her once a week or something that's specific around the child. And I think that really takes me out of myself and all of my career goals and focuses me on you know, my, my main purpose in life, really. And then around debriefing is really important for me. So I spend a lot of time texting and calling friends and making sure I have those connections outside of the home and work. I do have a lot of friends that I've met at work who, you know, they're, they're really important to, to have for me to debrief to be able to talk about work-related things, but then to have other people outside of that to be able to discuss other life life concerns. And I've really organised it well, accidentally, in terms of having, like, you know, a couple of good girlfriends to talk to about parenting and a couple of good friends to talk about relationships and, you know, specific friends for specific emotional needs for myself has been something that I've accidentally done. And then in terms of physical health, I like to think that I walk a lot, but I know it's not probably not sufficient, but I have more recently implemented like a daily yoga or stretching. So I like to get up in the morning before anyone else is awake and just find my own space and my own quiet and just get out of the bedhead stage before I get into the work stage and reset and do something physical for me and really come to life and if I have the time of day I'll do that in the morning and the evening if there's still energy in the night I'll do that and even if I don't have the energy I'll just do a couple of quick things just to get back in my body and sort of let the emotional and the mental stuff wash away for the day so there's that's sort of basically what it is that I do to for the self-care and protective factors. That's fantastic. You know, the word that comes to me listening to you is your balance. You know, if there's a right amount of attention you to pay to what you need to do at work and the, the boundary between who you are at work and who you are at home with your family and how important that is to you and 
your role as a mother, but you also rightly take care of Kat, the person yourself, you know. And so that was really also lovely to hear as well. Thank you so much for sharing all that. Georgie and Mark, did you want to comment in the same way that um, we did after Georgie's mental health our, um, and well-being? Did you want to make a comment about Kat, what Kat has said? Yeah, Tessa, I, I think that Kat's really hit the mark with um, her debriefing and having those few close friends that she can talk to about different areas of her life. And I think it's really... Those connections are really, really important and something that I probably could do a little bit more of also. So thanks, Kat. Cheers. Mark? Yeah, thank you. Thanks very much, Kat, for sharing that. What really sings out to me is that very much for both of you, there's an intention around your self-care and the things that you've put in place as protect factors. So I'm going to call that intentional self-care and I think you've both evolved that and it seems to be highly evolved for both of you uh, and you pay it the respect, the time and the intention that it requires. So I think that's very much a key message for our often extremely busy and challenged nurses, midwives and students that intentional self-care is just that it requires intention purpose and time and if you do that then you develop it as a habit and a routine and you're much more likely to do it so um i think there's some key very important key messages for our listeners if you're struggling to make space or time in your day then develop as georgie says your own self-care plan Set your goals for your self-care and the maintenance of your mental health and well-being. And what I say is type it up on your computer, print it out, share it with people in your life that are going to support it. Put it on your fridge, for example, so that everybody in your life knows that what's important to you on a particular day is not a nice to do but it's like something I really need to do to maintain my health and well-being, my mental health. So great points from both of you and some key messages and pearls of wisdom for our listeners. So thank you. Beautiful. Mark, are we going on now to look at um, the next question around how managers? Yeah, before that, Tessa, I might start with what organisations do to support the mental health of their employees. Yes. Now, organisations actually have a responsibility to maintain the health and well-being and support the health and well-being of their employees. So we know some organisations do this really, really well, and some organisations are looking for opportunities for improvement. So with this question, I'm really interested, Kat and Georgie, to know what you've observed in perhaps the organisation you work in or ones you've worked in previously, what organisations do or could do to support the mental health of their nurses and midwives and students? So uh, we might start with you, Georgie. Thanks, Mark. Look, uh, the women's have uh, a lot of resources supporting mental health and they've actually developed some really great initiatives, uh, particularly in response to 
the challenges of, of COVID. There's the EAP, which is the Employment Assistance Program, and that's a free confidential counselling service. We have, this is what I really like, we have a, a peer support service, which is like a mental health first aid. And it's run by staff, a network of staff who are trained to provide uh, peer-to-peer mental health support to any other staff that might be experiencing, you know, a decline in their mental health. And they basically just offer like a, a non-judgmental uh, space for, for them to share basically what's on their mind and to be heard. And then those peers can then go on and provide information and referrals to uh, other additional support systems. So that's a really good one that I really like. We also have a, a graduate support program that's available for all nursing and, and midwifery graduates of 2022. These grads have, which are, they're, they're our future, they've started their careers at a really challenging time. Most of them started through the Code Brown. So basically what happens is an EAP counsellor will check in on them, see how they're going, provide some opportunities to debrief and discuss, you know, any work-related or personal issues that might be impacting their health and just provide them with some potential coping strategies. And so that will happen at around one month and four months from when they've started. We also uh, have like a, a women's wellness program, uh, a wellbeing program, and that program just runs some campaigns and awareness campaigns and health and wellbeing webinars. And it might have, you know, just a range of different activities to support this, the staff's wellbeing at work and at home. So some of these activities may include like yoga and exercise challenges. So a couple of years ago, we did a, a walk, we got into groups of four, um, and then we clocked our, our kilometres. And then it was kind of like a ladder of who got the most kilometres. And, so, and it was just a good opportunity to get out and walk with your colleagues and see and talk as well as get some exercise. Also with the COVID and the, the pandemic, we have a, an initiative called Project Care. And basically through the Vic government and the Department of Health, the hospital received a grant. And this, this grant runs through till the end of June, I believe. Um, and staff basically have access to some on-site one-on-one counselling weekly at, at, at the Parkville uh, campus. And that's been really well received. Also, there's some, you know, meals and healthy snacks and just you know, new coffee machines and things like that, which will just just make our our ships a bit nicer. And one other thing I really wanted to share with you, um, which is something that I really like, um, it's it's a going home checklist and it's placed around the hospital. Um, and that just helps basically uh, the transition from work to home. And I'll, I'll read it out to you because it's just something that I think, you know, we should all think of before we leave work. This is what it says. Take a moment to think about today. Acknowledge one thing that was difficult on your shift. Now let it go. Be proud of the care you gave today. Consider three things that went well. Check on your colleagues before they leave. Are they okay? 
Think about yourself before you leave. Are you okay? Your senior team are here to listen and support you. Now switch your attention to home and rest and recharge. So I think that's a really nice way to finish your shift. Thanks very much, Georgie. Couldn't agree more. Um, I think that the women are doing some incredible work in this space, so kudos to them, and many organisations are. And I guess if there's a silver lining out of this pandemic is that we've had a greater spotlight put on the importance of health and wellbeing and what organisations can do to support the health and wellbeing of their staff. So there's some great examples of that. Thanks very much. Um, Tessa, did you have anything to say about that? I'd just reiterate what you said, really. I, I certainly know personally about some of the great work the, the women's is doing and did participated in one of their um, well-being webinars and it was a real privilege to be in. And people, the response and the way people took that in, staff took it in, was wonderful. Yeah, terrific. And... Kat, what about your organisation or organisations you've worked in? I guess what I'm interested in, you as an early career mental health nurse, also about your experience with university and what universities may have done to support the well-being of students and really how students or early career nurses and midwives could access support from their organisations or universities. I'm glad you asked, actually, because I had a lot of stuff going on in my life during my studies and I found my university to be incredibly supportive of that. I did undertake regular counselling, free counselling services with my university and I found that to be incredibly beneficial when you know things got really tough and they made sure that I had study plans in place and if there was a need for extensions and whatnot that was absolutely available to me. They were able to write out recommendations for my lecturers and whatnot to ensure that I wasn't under any excessive stress from from life um, being compounded by being a student. Yeah, I found that space to be really, really well supported. It wasn't something that was overly communicated for through our electors or anything it was something I really felt that I had to seek out myself but I was very aware that it was there it was you know it was a whole way that I'd walked through several times and sort of you know why who are these counsellors are they available to me and they absolutely were and it was that was really a saving grace during my studies different placements as well I found that each one they had very different different systems in place to support students and I did most of mine at quite most of my placements at quite a small rural hospital and because I'd spent so much time there I felt very supported by the education team there and I did end up getting a job there through my last year of of studies because of the support that I was given during my placements there I couldn't speak a lot for the actual supports that they had in place but I'm very aware that, like, as far as I'm aware, all state hospitals have the EAP, the Employment Assistance Program. Uh, I have not had to use that in my time yet, but I'm very aware that if there's anything that I feel that I need, I can go and get. As In terms of being an early career mental health nurse, I was really fortunate to have last year in, the, in my first graduate year, we had monthly education sessions 
that were included a group supervision program. So the, I think there were about 16 of us, we'd break off into two groups and we'd have debrief on you know, the difficult moments that we'd had in that previous month. And they were really well structured to ensure that we felt supported by not only our peers, but our educators, and that we had a safe space to unpack some of the difficult things that we had gone through. Then coming into the second year, our clinical educator, she paired us up with people that she thought would be suitable for us for individual supervision going forward in our career. So because it's very important as mental health clinicians to have that regular supervision. So that's a monthly, for people who don't know, it's a monthly structured debrief session, I suppose. And yeah, I've been paired with someone who I'm still yet to meet with because they've they've been seconded into different roles and we've we've really struggled to find time that we can meet up. So next week I'll have my first individual supervision. I'm really looking forward to doing that and just being able to offload a lot of uh, struggles I've been having coming to terms with a brand new role and new career. We've also started very recently a free workforce wellbeing virtual echo within our organisation. It's supported by the mental health Common Valley Area Mental Health, as well as the drug and alcohol service that we have. And so that's very much structured around the pillars of mental health and that we've only had one echo so far. And it began with a beautiful mindfulness activity and discussing what well-being and emotional, emotional intelligence. And it was really interesting, a really beautiful way to for staff to support sorry, for staff to access that support and just have an understanding of our own well-being and and emotional needs. We've also, there's a, a relatively new thing that's been happening is free massages. A local company have been, have accessed some funding and have been able to offer staff members 15-minute massages at different intervals in the day. And that's been something that's been very well received and they've the first lot of massages booked out within four hours so that's something that a lot of people have jumped on that's as that's as as much as I know that is happening at the moment thanks Kat it sounds like um organization that you work for and the university that you studied at were doing some great work and are doing great work in relation to supporting the mental health of nurse and midwives. So if you're uh, an executive, nurse and midwife, a midwifery executive listening to this and you would like to talk about any of these things, then feel free to call nurse and midwife support to uh, discuss any of these aspects. And indeed, if you're a nurse, midwife or student who requires support, I think we've identified to date through this conversation that part of maintaining our mental health is reaching out for support sooner rather than later. Um, nurse and midwife support is available 24-7 nationally to support the health and well-being of nurses and midwives. 1-800-667-877 or contact us via the website www.nmsupport.com.
www.org.au. Now, we've talked about organisations and how organisations support and could think about supporting the mental health of their employees. But if we kind of go to the immediate direct line manager or supervisor, is there anything either of you would add in relation to how a manager or direct line supervisor could support the mental health of nurses, midwives or students reporting to them? And, Georgie, we might go to you first. Uh, thanks, Mark. Um, yeah, I, I think managers have a, an enormous role in supporting the well-being of, of their team because they're, they're often the first port of call when staff are needing mental health support, particularly where the staff have needed to take time out from work. So it's always nice for the staff to know that the door is open for them. I guess being approachable and available to communicate and listen is, is very important. Motivation, encouraging growth and development and providing feedback is, um, is helpful. And it, it provides that feel-good sense of achievement and really basically encouraging staff to look after their own health and, and providing them with uh, access to, to resources, um, the, like the resources we've talked about, and just to ask for help, really, yeah. Yeah, good advice. I think a key point here is um, managers or supervisors listening to this, please know that your support and your mental health is vitally important too. And often those middle management roles, I often think are the most challenging in health services because you're pulled in many directions and there are, it's often difficult to carve out space for you. So these messages are vitally important to you. And when I was a manager, the thing that touched me the most was when my, the staff that you know worked with me or reported to me would say, and how are you, Mark? Are you okay? Do you need anything? Or that simple thing of them seeing that I was like, you know, on a deadline and saying, I'm going to make you a cup of tea and bring it in here because you haven't had a break. Uh, so those really small but significant gestures of care towards each other, I think, make a huge difference. And is there anything else you'd add to that, Kat, what managers do or supervisors do to support their staff? Absolutely. In line with what you've just said, Mark, I think that's beautiful that your staff were checking in on you and just feeding that both ways, making sure that your managers are checking in with, particularly coming from a junior position, making sure that, you know, your staff are all around what it is that they're doing and that they're finding that balance in work and life. And yeah, particularly when they're taking, having to take time off for physical ailments, making sure that they're feeling well supported in returning to work. And yeah, just that checking in is really important, I find. Thanks, Kat. And um, Tessa, is there anything else you'd like to add in here? And I'm gonna handball to you after that. Absolutely. absolutely. Um, what the, the, the two things that I would perhaps reiterate with a little more detail is I think the role modeling the, 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 that managers actually are of not, not just caring for their staff, which is a lovely example you gave, but also role modeling, taking care of their own mental health. In, you know, managers are role models of everything that they do. You know, that's why they're managers, because they're, they're leaders and they're, they're actually people who manage and, and lead us. So I think that's really important. And I think too, 
there's a role for them to develop and create uh, mental health and wellbeing literacy, kind of a level of education and information across their staff. So uh, they're the two things that I would add that I think are also really important. Great points, Tessa. And over to you for the next question. So this goes back to this next question, uh, in some ways where we started, but um, Georgie and Kat, as nurses, Kat, yourself in kind of the early career phase of or the early development phase of your career, but Georgie, um, you, where you are in your career, and both of you have life experience, could you both speak to um, how and what, uh, both what and how, nurses and midwives and students in their early career can establish, you know, really good patterns to protect and maintain their mental health? Georgie, would you like to go first? Yeah, thanks, Tessa. Um, I think that's a really good question. Um, I think definitely developing a self-care plan to suit to suit individual needs is um, and what's important to, to you. Definitely staying connected uh, with, with family and, and friends and, and work colleagues and just taking time out to do activities that you enjoy just to help reduce any of those anxieties and, and stresses that you might have in your life. And those sorts of activities could be physical activities or something that might give a sense of, of pleasure or, or achievement even. And I also read when I was just doing a little bit of reading for this podcast on one of the wellbeing's uh, websites, which I thought was a great idea. And I think it kind of came out of the lockdown time was to have a check-in buddy. And I think I think that can continue to work. It can be, you know, a partner or a, or a friend, um, a family member or a work colleague. And just to have someone that you can discuss how you're feeling at that time and, and, and just make a regular sort of check-in time. And I think that's really important. So all those sort of habits, I think, are helpful, particularly when you're sort of starting off. Nice, nice. Just can I just ask you to elaborate a tiny little bit, Georgie, if you wouldn't mind? That check-in buddy. What what do you do with that check-in buddy? Well, it could be just a coffee. It could be a walk, and it's just really basically discussing, you know, how you're feeling and, and where you're at. You know, it could be a, another work colleague that's, you know, at the same level of you. Like if you're if you're a graduate or a year out or two years out just to sort of have a to and fro conversation about, you know, some of the things that you might be finding, you know, you're getting a bit anxious over because, you know, chances are they're feeling the same sort of anxieties and just having that conversation to talk about it can, can really help. Nice. Nice. You're not alone in that sense, are you? Thank you no. so much. And Kat, you're a few years into your career now. What advice would you give those to those coming through? Uh, in their early stages? I think first and foremost is to develop your own sense of self-awareness, your emotional state, your emotional resilience, what you feel that you can take on and what you need to debrief with. And self-compassion is incredibly important as well in that same space in getting to know your boundaries um, when it comes to all facets of work, be it the client interaction, manager interaction, even just getting to and from work can be stressful sometimes. And 
yeah, so mostly developing that self-awareness, self-compassion, emotional resilience and finding what supports are available. Creating healthy routines I find is also really important as Georgie's highlighted and she's obviously really good at by now but in the first couple of years like this in the last 15 months I've been trying out a whole lot of different things and finding out what actually works for you. You know some people love going to the gym. I tried it it's not my jam. So try something different. Maybe you like walks, maybe you like yoga, maybe you just need social interaction. So really just finding what works for you and setting up routines around it. I love Georgie's idea of the check-in buddy. I think that's beautiful. That's like I touched on earlier. It's something that I sort of have with different elements of my life, but just to have that regular contact with someone to discuss important elements of your life or career is so important. Thank you, Kat. I love that. And Mark, I'll ask you to comment in a moment, but if I could just say, I particularly love, Kat, that you say, um, you know, it's not the same for everyone. You say beautifully, it's not your jam. And it is about finding the jam that works for you. You're absolutely right. So there are options and that you've tried and discovered what works for you. It's a process and that's really fantastic. Thank you. Mark, would you like to add or comment on anything? Uh, I agree with all those points and there's some really useful and important information there. So thanks, Georgie and Kat for sharing. And what it raises for me is a really important element here, which is about as you provide person-centred care to those that you care for, ensure that you give that to yourself, that you, when you're considering all these elements, that you're being kind to yourself, you're being person-centred, and that you're not comparing yourself to others and what others may or may not be doing, so that you're thinking about this stuff without judgment, without judgment of self, and that if you're not able to meet your self-care or intentional care goals every day, then that's okay. Don't be hard on yourself. Take the pressure off because I think as the midwives, we often put undue pressure onto ourselves and it does not serve our health and well-being. So apply person-centered care to you because you are absolutely worth it. Love it. And, I, you know, you're absolutely right there. And, it, again, it's just picking up what you said before, Kat, about the self-compassion, you know, we are compassionate towards others in our care and we need to turn it around to self. Lovely. Mark, are you going to move into the next question? Yes, I suppose as we come to the end of this podcast and what a great conversation it has been, and I know that all this information will support nurses and midwives, Um, But a a, a lot of our audience really look for and appreciate resources because we've given a lot of information in this episode. So I guess from both of you, and I know you've both done research in preparation for this podcast and it's ringing through. So what resources would you recommend for nurses, midwives and students that can support their mental health? And we might go to you first, Georgie. Uh, well, actually, nurse and midwife support's a fabulous one. And uh, obviously contacting your EAP um, 
and checking out the nursing and midwifery health program because they've got a lot of information on on there lots of different fact sheets there's the nurse break website as well there's lots and lots of mindfulness apps calm and smiling mind um, are some of those then you've got your black dog institute in beyond blue headspace and look visit your gp i mean your gp uh, can do a mental health assessment and then steer you in the right direction for, for further help should you need it so there's and there's some of you know the, the, the bigger resources that uh you know will support the mental health of um of you know nurses midwives and students yeah thanks georgie great tips and great resources Kat, do you have others to add there? There's not much I can add to that. I found, again, specific apps for specific needs. Um, you know, I found one that was, I found it to be really helpful and I shared it with a friend and she just went, she tried it for a couple of days and went, no, this one's not for me, but it's because we have such different, different driving, different motivations. But yeah, most of what I researched was similar to what came up with Georgie. Thanks very much. I will add some great online resources that we've uh, advocated via the podcast. And uh, last year, I think the middle of the year, I spoke to Jay Court from This Way Up. And This Way Up provides fantastic mental health online resources for, um, for anybody, but they're particularly designed for health professionals. So I'll put the link to that podcast and those resources in the show notes for this podcast, and um, you'll be able to find them there or Google This Way Up and you'll find those great resources. And Tessa, would you add anything to those resources that have been discussed yes i would great resources everybody um the the only other thing i would add which again i think just picks up on what you've already all said is that a resource that worked for me you know for the last six months uh, doesn't necessarily work for me now because because of change and i have different needs and i'm in a different situation in a different context so i think it's important to reevaluate sometimes are these supports or resources working? It's kind of along that thing of, um, well, actually anything that, you, you know, you, you do want to reevaluate, you do want to reconsider. You don't stay on the same medication forever and a day and neither should you, you know, neither do the same supports work for you all the time. But it's that kind of regrouping, reevaluating. What do I need today? You know, was what helped me yesterday? Is it going to help me today? I think that's really important. Terrific. And as I said at the beginning of the podcast, uh, this is podcast is part of a newsletter which is full of great information and resources to support the health and well-being of nurses and midwives. So check out those resources. Something that you've all talked about today is the importance of walking. And Tessa, I know you've written a great blog on walking and its benefit to mental health uh, and that blog is available as part of this um, suite of resources in the newsletter is there anything you want to add there tessa oh um i will just that um please anyone listening to this look out for that blog but it's a you know i think it's a universal resource that um, anyone can use anytime and it, it's something that you can vary and change up you know so um, not 
I wouldn't add anything other than I love walking. And the best thing is it's free. <laughs> in a world that loves to charge, as is Nurse and Midwife Support, I may add, a national free support service for nurses, midwives and students, 1-800-667-877. Now, we are at the end of the podcast, but something I always ask guests is, do you have any final words of wisdom to our listeners? Georgia, we might start with you. I think just don't forget to be kind to yourself, um, Stay connected with, you know, your, your family and your, and your friends and your peers. Don't be afraid to ask for help and just keep working on that self-care plan. You really need to look after yourself. So, yeah. Thank you. And Kat, any final words of wisdom from you? As we're all aware, with healthcare, prevention is key. So keep on top of the self-care and intentional self-care and we can get through it all. Identify identify the problems before they arise and find solutions thank you and my wonderful um, podcast co-host tessa Um, i mean i know you'll have a pearl of wisdom at the end of the podcast well yeah the only thing i would add here is that um you know the beautiful thing about self-care is that um every morning when i wake up Uh, you know, I can actually, after I've thought about what I'm grateful for, I can use it as an opportunity to what didn't work yesterday or what I need to improve today, you know, I can give a go today. So each day gives us an opportunity, a new opportunity to take care of ourselves. Thanks very much, Tessa. And thank you very much to all of you. You've been fabulous guests. I really appreciate your time, your wisdom, your expertise and your support for nurses, midwives and students throughout Australia. And if you are listening to this podcast and it's raised any issues for you, please reach out for support. That's been a key message in this podcast. Your health absolutely does matter and nurse and midwife support is available to support you 24-7, no matter where you are in Australia. 1-800-667-877 or via the website nmsupport.org.au. Look after yourselves and each other and I'll speak to you next time. Mm -hmm.